welcome back. And we're starting off this series looking at stories of Black Americans as told by William C. Nell in his book, Colored Patriots of the American Revolution. Uh, as I mentioned before, we're going to basically follow the the outline of his book, and he mostly just uh, divides the chapters uh, by state. And so uh, in this first episode, we're going to look at the state of Massachusetts and some of the folks that came from there. And I think it's uh, just kind of fitting to start off with Crispus Attucks, because uh, in a sense, this is kind of partly why he wrote the book in the first place. And um, it's because of him that we know who Crispus Attucks is today. So the book starts with the uh, account of, of Attucks and his story. Uh, and, uh, and Nell talks about how uh, he and several others submitted a petition to the Massachusetts legislator, legislature asking for $1,500 to erect a monument to Attucks uh, as recognizing him as the first martyr of the revolution. Uh, it was assigned to the Committee on Military uh, Affairs and they ended up denying the request. Uh, they did some research and found that there was a boy named Christopher Snyder who apparently was killed before Attucks. But William Nell was a bit skeptical and I think others were as well. Uh, and I think he also kind of felt like they were kind of coming up with an excuse not to uh, honor Attucks and give him the credit that was due. So, uh, it's worth mentioning here, though, that Attucks had nearly faded away and was almost completely forgotten by this point in time. This is the early 1850s. And so this uh, incident inspired Nell to then start doing detailed uh, research, collecting his story and others uh, so that their memory is kept alive. And he basically started interviewing his, everyone that he could. Uh, he went down to D.C. and looked up archive records. Uh, and, and looked at the documentation that was available and just started to compile a very detailed record of uh, the men and women who had fought in Revolutionary War and uh, and the contributions that they made. So getting back to the story at hand, though, uh, Nell gives a detailed account of the events of the 5th of March, showing how addicts played a leading role in the, in the mob or um, uh, crowd, sorry. Uh, he was there next to the soldiers, taunting them and really just getting in their face and really trying to provoke them uh, to open fire. It was almost as if he was thinking that uh, it would certainly play into their hands and it would be a kind of propaganda coup uh, if the British soldiers had opened fire and caused a, uh, a, a pretty big incident, uh, which, which they did. Now, some people probably debate you know, whether the massacre was kind of blown out of proportion uh, given um, you know how many people actually died and and you know so there's obviously a lot going on at the time and tensions were running high but uh, he was there a uh, part of the crowd and, and kind of one of the leaders uh, who was kind of leading this crowd to uh, where the soldiers were he was said to have been killed by montgomery uh, one of captain preston's troops and two bullets were found in his chest, one on each side. So that just kind of shows where he was uh, physically. Nell writes that a couple of days later on March 7th, the Boston Transcript, quote, published an anonymous communication disparaging the whole affair, denouncing Christmas Attucks as a very firebrand of disorder and sedition, the most conspicuous, inflammatory, and uproarious of the misguided populace 
and who, if he had not fallen a martyr, would richly have deserved hanging as an incendiary, unquote. The problem with this condemnation of addicts is that it implies a similar condemnation of everyone else involved uh, in the crowd. Obviously, no one believes that. So the question remains, why is it fair to tar addicts' reputation? A eulogy uh, to him read, quote, Welcome then be every taunt that such correspondence may fling at addicts and his company, as the best evidence of their merit and their strong claim upon our gratitude. Envy and the foe do not labor to traduce any but prominent champions of a cause." Unquote. Nell also exposed the legislature's hypocrisy when he wrote, "...and yet let it be recorded, the same session of the legislature, which had refused the Attic's monument, granted one to Isaac Davis of Concord. Both were promoters of the American Revolution, but one was white, the other was black. And this is the only solution to the problem why justice was not fairly meted out." So it's probably worth noting that the bounty that's referred to there is kind of like an enlistment bonus uh, that you know is commonly uh, given out these days uh, when you sign up uh, to join the military. Sometimes you can get an enlistment bonus, and and so that money, that bounty that they would receive, um, what Seymour's master was basically proposing was uh, uh, Seymour, you join, you give me the bounty money that you get. And then you serve out the enlistment. And then when you're done with that, you get to become a free man. And so that was essentially the deal that uh, the master, that Timur's master was uh, offering him. Now, uh, to transition from that, uh, Burr, Seymour Burr had a grandson uh, named Lemuel Burr. And we know it based on uh, accounts that he provided that... Uh, that his grandfather and uh, another veteran named Jeremy Jonah, who uh, served with Seymour, uh, often spoke of a woman named Deborah Gannett. And she's the next person uh, whose story we're going to look at. But before we do that, uh, let's take a moment to do uh, another annoying mid-roll ad. Okay, so just a brief word about our sponsor, Anchor.fm. This is an easy endorsement for me to do uh, because I've already seen the value in it. It's the reason why you're even listening to this podcast. Uh, And particularly for those of you who have ever thought about uh, doing a podcast, uh, you should really uh, check these guys out. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And there's several benefits uh, to it. One, it's free. So, hello. Uh, Two, there's creation tools that they uh, supply you with that rec- record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So once you're on the platform on the site, you can, you can do it there. You don't have to have, you know, expensive software and learn how to uh, do complicated editing. Uh, Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple podcasts, etc., etc. Uh, you can also make money from the podcast uh, without uh, minimum listenership. So that's another plus. Uh, also it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It's all in one place. You don't have to download multiple programs. It's all just in one website, log in, boom, everything is there, ready to go. It's just totally easy. Really check them out. I'm glad I came across this. I'm glad I got a recommendation from a friend of mine who does her own podcast. 
because uh, it's just so beneficial. So again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So I saved what I think is probably the most interesting story from this chapter for last. And it's it's one of my favorite stories. It's one that I've always remembered ever since uh, I first read the book. Uh, I think you'll find it's uh, kind of a nice, uh, touching story. It's about Colonel Pickering's servant named Primus Hall. Uh, the colonel uh, was one of Washington's closest friends and advisors in the Army. So the general would come over uh, to his tent often for planning discussions. One evening, uh, Washington was there late into the night. And as uh, we'll see, Nell writes, headquarters were at a considerable distance and Washington signified his preference to staying with the colonel overnight, provided he had a spare blanket and straw. Oh, yes, said Primus, who was appealed to. Plenty of straw and blankets, plenty. Upon this assurance, Washington continued his conference with the colonel until it was time to retire to rest. Two humble beds were spread side by side in the tent, and the officers laid themselves down while Primus seemed to be busy with duties that required his attention uh, before he himself could sleep. He worked or appeared to work until the breathing of the prostrate gentleman satisfied him that they were sleeping. And then seating himself upon a box or a stool, he leaned his head on his hands to obtain such repose as so inconvenient a position would allow. In the middle of the night, Washington awoke. He looked about and decried the Negro as he sat. He gazed at him while uh, a while and then spoke. Primus, said he, calling Primus. Primus started up and rubbed his eyes. What general, said he. Washington rose up in his bed. Primus, said he, what did you mean by saying that you had blankets and straw enough? Here you have given up your blanket and straw to me that I may sleep comfortably while you are obliged to sit through the night. It's nothing, General, said Primus. It's nothing. I'm well enough. Don't trouble yourself about me, General, but go back, go to sleep again. No matter about me. I, I sleep very good. But it is matter. It is matter, said Washington earnestly. I cannot do it, Primus. If either is to sit up, I will. But I think there is no need of either sitting up. The blanket is wide enough for two. Come and lie down here with me. Uh, oh, no, General, said Primus, starting and protesting against the proposition. No, let me sit here. I'll do very well on the stool. I say, come and lie down here, said Washington, authoritatively. There's room for both, and I insist upon it. He threw open the blanket as he bespoke and moved to one side of the straw. Primus professes to have been exceedingly shocked at the idea of lying under the same covering with the commander-in-chief, and so would I, but his tone was so resolute and determined that he could not hesitate. He prepared himself, therefore, and laid himself down by Washington, and on the same straw and under the same blanket, the general and the Negro servant slept until morning. Now, I don't know about you, but that paints a very interesting picture in my mind. 
And just imagine walking into the tent in the morning and seeing General and the slave here sleeping together. Uh, but it's a, just a nice kind of touching story. You know, we're reading about, you know, these big topics about the Revolutionary War and about slavery and freedom and all this. And uh, but here you have a very just a very simple, almost kind of mundane, you know, act here going on. It's just, you know, about sleeping and making preparations, you know, for sleeping. And and so it just kind of gets at the kind of the human side of these of these people. I think it probably says a lot too about Washington himself and just kind of how generous he was and the kind of leadership quality, you know, that it showed uh, in him. Uh, but it just kind of gets, you know, it shows these two men in a very interesting light that kind of just gets at a, just at a basic kind of emotional level that we can all kind of uh, under, empathize with and understand. So that wraps up. Uh, this uh, episode uh, looking at Massachusetts and uh, in the next installment, we'll look at some of the other states in New England. We'll look at the story of Lemuel Haynes, who was the first black man to be ordained a minister in the U.S. And he actually pastored a white church, believe it or not. So make sure you check out that episode and talk to
circles around. 